0: Welcome back to Seahawks Forever, everyone. I hope you enjoyed your bye week. I'm all moved, set up in the new studio, ready to get rolling again. Today on the show, I'm going to take a look at the one thing that most of us believe the Seahawks still need to prove to us in order for us to take them seriously as contenders in the NFC. The one aspect of their game we haven't seen yet. How do they match up against good quarterbacks and control the passing game? And is that holding them back as much as we think it is? And it's important as they get ready to face a now, once again, red-hot Joe Burrow in Cincinnati this Sunday. We'll look at the Seahawks' pass defense, break it all down, coming up today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Before we get started today, hit that like button. If you're watching it on the YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel. Started the day with 2,999 subscriptions. Really want to get over that 3,000 mark. Seems to be a little elusive. Maybe you can be the 3,000th subscriber uh, to the channel. That way you always get notifications of new videos and it helps the channel, helps us grow. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever, of course. And if you really, really like what I do and want to support it, uh, buy me a coffee or buy me a beer. Big shout out to Sierra, Gordon, Hayden, Josh, Ryan have done so already. Really appreciate the support. How was your bye week? Did you enjoy it? Um, man, I got to tell you, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, it's how good is NFL Red Zone? It's, in my opinion, it's simply the biggest and most important television sports innovation ever. <laughs> um, and it's, it's especially fun on a bye week when you can just watch all the action around the NFL. Especially when you have a massive fantasy football weekend like I did. Knock on wood loudly. Um, <laughs> because I don't want to jinx myself. But it just seemed like every time they switched to a new game, one of my guys was scoring. Uh, I, I play in two live leagues have for a long time. And uh, one league that I've helped form 10 years ago. Uh, My team scored 280 fantasy points. That's what happens when you have DJ Moore and Jamar Chase. We're going to talk about Jamar Chase today, of course, as the Seahawks get set to, to resume action against the Bengals. We anxiously await injury reports. That's going to be key. Who are the Seahawks going to have available for them this week against the Bengals? But we have seen some growth, and we have seen a progression through the first four weeks. We certainly feel good about where the run defense is now compared to the last two years. And it looks sustainable and legitimate. They're taking the ball away, making impact plays on defense. That's obviously a good thing. Something we haven't seen that much of the last couple of years. But they seem vulnerable in the passing game, right? If you take a look at their first four weeks, of course, week one, Matthew Stafford carved the Seahawks up with those intermediate in-breaking routes. 334 total yards, 24 out of 38, although he didn't get the ball in the end zone. The next week against Andy Dalton, or I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, week two against Andy Dalton, 34 out of 58 for 361 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Jared Goff, 28 out of 35 for 323, three touchdowns and a pick. And then Daniel Jones last week say what you will about him but but kept him more under control 27 out of 34 gets constant pressure 203 yards picked him off twice It it's caused a lot of hand-wringing amongst us and you But I wonder if it's not as bad as we think it is. If you let's break it down a couple couple of different ways. If you average that out, this is the average box score line for an opposing quarterback through four games against the Seahawks. 28 out of 41, 305 yards, essentially a touchdown and a pick, right? They've given up five touchdowns through the air through four games, and they've picked the ball off three times. So just over an average of one touchdown, just under an average of one interception. Pretty impressive math there, isn't it? Uh, 7.4 yards per attempt. We're going to get back to that number in just a minute. And one touchdown throw for every 33 attempts is how it works out. Is that that scary? If you go into Cincinnati Sunday and Joe Burrow goes 28 out of 41 for 305 and a touchdown and a pick, how are you feeling about the Seahawks pulling off a road victory beating the Bengals? You feel a little more uneasy after seeing what Joe Burrow did yesterday, 36 out of 46. 317, three touchdowns and a pick, 6.9 yards per attempt. Clearly that calf that everybody in Cincinnati was so concerned about is 100%. And, And Burrow even said on his first touchdown pass of the game, he knew he was back 100%. He knew, which tells you that even going into the game, he was a little concerned about his health as well. And of course, most of those targets went to Jamar Chase, the aforementioned Chase, 15 catches on like a million targets for 192 and three touchdowns and almost had a fourth touchdown. So close to a fourth uh, on the year. Now he's up to 44 catches, 476 yards, three, those three touchdowns. And he's averaging uh, 10.8 yards per catch. So Jamar Chase is who we thought he was going to be. He was frustrated after week three gave the now Infamous quote, I'm always f and open. After the game again uh, yesterday, he posted a picture of 7-11 just to remind people that he's always open. Um, even with T. Higgins out, really didn't slow down that passing attack. Trenton Irwin stepped up with eight catches for 60, and Tyler Boyd. It's always kind of a constant, consistent presence there. Six catches, 39 yards. Let's look a little deeper into the Seahawks' pass defense, and we know that certainly... They played week one without Devin Witherspoon. They played played weeks one, two, and three, or most of week one, and weeks two and three without Reek Woolen. Kobe Bryant's been hurt. But then the pressure has come around the last two weeks, right? I think uh, that most pressures in the NFL last week, I think the last two weeks combined, not including week five. Weeks three and four combined, most pressures in the league. Uh, let's take a look at some of the numbers Pass rush win rate right now. Seahawks still in that fourth position, winning fifty six percent of their reps. To go along with their run stop win rate of thirty three percent, which is ninth in the league. But I wanted to show you these numbers as well because if you want, if you're, if you're really nervous about Sunday because of what you just saw yesterday with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And because the Seahawks seemingly are vulnerable against the pass. Like if you read Twitter, they just can't stop the pass. Anyone can throw against us. Cincinnati was playing the Arizona Cardinals yesterday. And the Cardinals are, have been much more competitive than we expected them to. Jonathan Gannon with the defensive background. I think the reason they've been surprisingly competitive is because their offense has been pretty good. James Conner before he got hurt yesterday and... Josh Dobbs looks like a legitimate starting quarterback, at least for now. But this is the matchup yesterday. The Cardinals in pass rush win rate, 27th in the league, winning just 34% of their snaps. And their run stopping win rate, they're 31st. So they're a bad defense. Since he got healthy against a bad defense, and they didn't blow the Cardinals out, it was was a well-contested game into the second half. Now flip that around against the numbers I just gave you for the Seahawks with their pass rush win rate and run stop win rate. Cincinnati in pass blocking win rate, 31st in the NFL. They're winning just 41% of their pass block snaps. And their run blocking win rate, 27th in the league. They still, despite all the moves and all the resources in the draft and free agency the last couple years to try to fix that offensive line. It's still a weakness. Still a weakness. Is that something the Seahawks can, can exploit? with their defensive front and the way they're playing. How will they defend the Bengals on Sunday? I've had some conversations online the last couple of days, had numerous suggestions that people are nervous, understandably so, about Chase. And I've had a lot of people uh, speculate that Witherspoon should stick to the outside. We saw him play a lot of this in the slot. In nickel against the Giants. Part of that was because Bryant and Artie Burns are hurt. Um, Certainly it was effective. He only played 11 outside snaps. Michael Michael Jackson came in for him in the outside when he moved into nickel. And we saw what he did. Defensive player of the week. He's able to affect the run game more from from the interior. He's able to rush the passer in the Seahawks scheme more from the interior. Had two sacks. Had the pick six. But here's what I would say to that suggestion. We started to see, the second half of last year, we started to see Jamar Chase being used more in the slot himself. In their last nine games last year, 30% of his snaps came from the slot. So far through week four, these numbers haven't been updated that I could find through yesterday. Through week four, 50% of Jamar Chase's snaps have come from the slot. Literally half. Does that make you rethink things? If Devin Witherspoon is the guy that you want guarding Jamar Chase most of the time, and with Chase's build and athleticism, quickness, he's probably a better matchup than Reek Woolen is. I uh, don't know if T Higgins is going to be healthy to play, but that would be obviously size-wise and everything else. That'd be a, I would think, a little bit better better matchup for Reek Woolen. Um, but what do you think of that? Now we know the Seahawks don't like to travel with corners. They don't like to match up. I'd like to see him play more man against an offense like this. I don't know if I'll get my wish. They seem really, really attached to that zone defense that that causes a lot of us, a lot of that stress and anxiety, right? Watching them give up short completions and teams that are effective, getting the ball out quick, have some success moving the ball. And we know the Bengals are going to try to do that because they know that they struggle to protect Burrow and they also want to keep him upright and they want to protect him. So what's the matchup going to be should get Kobe Bryant back for this game. And it'll be interesting to see if they open then, if that goes back to the default and if Bryant gets back to being the primary nickel corner with a spoon sticks, mostly to left corner on the outside, Trey Brown should be available for this game. Does that change your opinion of things? A lot of you are nervous about Michael Jackson, Jackson being on the field that much. What if it's Trey Brown? What if it's Trey Brown at outside corner? Another guy who physically might match up a little bit better against Chase, certainly than Jackson would. How about that combination? I've talked before about, I'm not sure why they've never tried Brown in the slot because just his build, his explosiveness, his dynamic short area quickness you would think would be fit. For the slot. He's also a guy that's very physical. Why not leave Witherspoon on the outside play Brown? It's not going to happen now because they haven't, they haven't repped him there, but it just, in, in a big picture, I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. Like, I just wonder why they don't do that. But I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this matchup, given all the things that I just talked about, right? We We buy into the Seahawks' pressure. Jaron Reed should be healthy as well. We dodged a bullet on that injury that took him out of the game against the Giants that it was just a shin contusion, got leg whipped. He's back a week off for those guys and they're all healthy. And then you think about the intangible part of this, right? The, uh, the subjective part of this, that do you think like this, like, wouldn't you rather the Seahawks play the Bengals when it looks like they might be on the verge of exploding again on offense. What if they'd gone out and laid another egg? The offense was dysfunctional and Burrow couldn't get chased the ball and that offensive line just failed. It couldn't protect him. The Cardinals beat them even. You just kind of, after what happened in week one, that second half against the Rams, an experience that Pete Carroll just continues to reference, even on the coach's show after the Giants game. Even without being prompted, he keeps going back to that second half, shaking his head. I can't believe we let that happen. I don't know what happened. It's never going to happen again. Do you feel a little bit better about facing the Bengals now? That I mean, you know, everybody on that Seahawks roster and coaching staff was watching that game yesterday, even before they did film study, like just having that opportunity to watch the team that you're going to play next week when you're on a bye. Um, Okay. All right. Okay, Joe Burrow, we see you. Okay, Jamar Chase, we see you. And now when they go back on the practice field and they start getting ready for this game, those DBs, that front seven, they know what they're in for. And I'm always one. I talk about this a lot. There are a lot of fans out there who would prefer to play teams when their best players are injured, who would prefer to play teams when they're struggling and they're down. Not me. Let's play you at your best. We're going to go back to the East Coast time zone, play a 10 a.m. game against a team that's been one of the best teams in the AFC the last couple of years. It's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best quarterback receiver combinations we've seen in quite some time. Be healthy, get T Higgins back too. let's see what the Seahawks team is made of. This game will tell us a lot. I mean, you could say that every week, of course. But we're in a stretch now where we need to try to make some hay and we can't lose any ground. If we have any aspirations of getting to a point where when November comes around and we finally play the 49ers twice in three weeks, can we compete with them and beat them? And regardless right now of whether you think we can or not because of how good the 49ers have looked and they looked great again last night, some work needs to be done between now and then. And it's in a stretch where you're playing teams like the Commanders and the Browns, teams that have struggled. And so even though it's an an interdivisional matchup, this is a big one. And it's big because I think it's a test for everything we've seen so far. Can they put it together? Not even talking about the offense today. That's a different question we'll deal with later in the week. The offense has been inconsistent. Should get healthier this week. Charles Cross should be back. But I, I have very little doubt that at some point, We're going to see the offense play a complete game. We haven't really yet. Detroit game was close. But there have been stops and starts, and they haven't really got all the pieces, all the cylinders firing together at the same time. I I have very little doubt that that will happen at some point. And they've been able to win in spite of that. It's the defense. Can they continue to prove week in, week out that what we're seeing so far is legitimate? that the improved run defense is sustainable and that the pressure is sustainable. If it is, it changes the game and it, and it takes pressure off the offense. And we're going to get another test for that this week. We should, we should, man, we should be able to pressure this team. When you look at those numbers, how how much their offensive line has struggled. I want to see it. If we see that, if they can go out again, coming off a buy and show us the same things that we saw and that pressure, be consistent, affect the quarterback. Improve a little bit in coverage. Get that actual defensive personnel on the field that you've wanted to from day one, but haven't been able to because of injuries. And and put a convincing win together in Cincinnati will just be one more step towards answering that question of can this team contend? I mean, if they want to, they're just going to have to keep the 49ers in their sights, right? Between now and then. And that might not necessarily mean that you have to win every single game because you'll get opportunities against the 49ers. And it is the NFL, you know, no matter how bad a team looks, they'll have a good week. And no matter how good a team looks, they'll have a bad week too. So just wanted to touch on that um, and uh, reestablish the show. Got the new studio. How do you like it? New graphics, having some fun with it. Still a couple of tweaks, but uh, let me know in the comments how you feel about this matchup coming up. Do you think the Seahawks are in a position where they can they can slow down, burrow and chase enough to have a shot to win this week? Tell me what you think in the comments below. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're an audio podcast fan, subscribe to the show on whichever audio platform you prefer. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review if you really like what I do. I appreciate it greatly. Also, as always, follow me on Twitter at Seahawks Forever. Until next time, we'll see you in a couple of days. I am Dan Vienz. This is Seahawks forever, forever and always. Go Hawks.